through the book of James. So if you have your Bible, either here or at home, you can open to the book of James. I just want to echo Zach's greeting. If you're here, it's great to see you. If you're at home, I wish I could see you. One day we'll be able to be together, but today we get to be together like this. We're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It's not something that we've talked about yet, but the background to the book of James is the Sermon on the Mount. It's likely that James, the brother of Jesus, sat amongst the crowd when Jesus preached that most famous of of sermons. You may remember when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus' point in that sermon, at that point, is that there are only two ways you can live. One way ends in life, and one way ends in destruction. There are not many paths, just two. James makes the same point this morning. We're going to look at the two paths that we can follow. James talks about two ways we can live. Two kinds, he'll say, of wisdom. Earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. There are two and only two ways to live. You can live as one who is guided by heavenly wisdom, or you can live as one who is guided by earthly wisdom. One ends with life, one with death. And the question he's going to ask us is, which path are you on? Are you on the path leading to life, or on the path leading to destruction? Let's read God's Word together. I'm going to read beginning in... James chapter 3, verse 13. I'd encourage you to follow along with me, whether you're here at home. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you join me as I pray and ask for God's help? Lord, it's no academic exercise for us to open your word and read it. We recognize that there is nothing like your word, as Zach told us this morning. Your word is breathed out by you. Lord, where would we be without your word? We would have no idea how to navigate this life. We would have no clue of what you would want us to be or do. We would have no idea that a Savior has come to live and die 
and rise again so that he might bring sinners to you. We would have no clue, but we do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us not to take for granted your revealed word. I pray this morning as your word is preached, despite my many limitations and vulnerabilities, Lord, I pray that you would empower the preaching of your word here today to impact our lives. We're not just merely interested in learning. We want an encounter with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Two simple points this morning. First, how to measure wisdom. How to measure wisdom. If I were to ask, how can you tell if someone is wise? Most of the time when I think of wisdom, I think of things that people say that's good, like good advice or good counsel or good recommendations or they think through things well. That's what I think about wisdom. That's what I think wisdom is. But actually, if you read James chapter 3, verse 13, we see a different example of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him or her show his or her works in the meekness of wisdom. So wisdom is not primarily what you say. It's not limited to what you say or the advice you give. Wisdom is seen by the manner in which you live the manner in which you live. And you see this phrase, the meekness of wisdom? Wisdom is always expressed in a humble life. Real wisdom is never haughty or lording it over others or vindictive, but meek and gentle and humble. This is how James is using the word wisdom here. For James, wisdom is measured by how you live. Do you see what he's asking in verse 13? Who is wise? Let that wisdom be expressed in the way that you live your life. Let that wisdom be expressed in the choices you make every day. Let that wisdom be expressed in who you are at work, at home, everywhere. Let that wisdom be expressed in everything that you are. This makes sense because we know from Proverbs chapter 9 that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now that might sound like a strange phrase, but what the fear of the Lord means is this, to live our lives under the gaze and in the shadow of our God. To not fear God is to live as if He's not watching, or he doesn't care. To fear God means that you want to please God in every moment. It means that you're going to want to grow as a disciple and a follower of Jesus. It's going to mean that you're going to be grieved by sin, but not defined by sin. It's going to mean that you're going to be grateful for the blessings that you receive from him. To fear God means you live in the light of the fact that God is watching and that you and I serve Him. So wisdom, how do we measure wisdom? Not primarily by the words we say, but by the life we live. Not by what we know, but by the life we live. Wisdom is measured by how we live. 
end. So what James does now is he takes us to our second point. After we recognize that we don't just measure wisdom by the words that we say, but by the life we live, he presents to us two kinds of wisdom. When he says wisdom, these are two different ways of living. These are two things that he presents, two paths. One is a path that is wide and leads to destruction. One is narrow and leads to life. Two kinds of living, two kinds of wisdom. Verse 15. I'm sorry, let's look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false in the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now, verse 17 tells us the other kind of wisdom, the wisdom from above. So we'll call that heavenly wisdom. So there's earthly wisdom and there's heavenly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, how is that defined by verse 14? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Those are two sides of the same counterfeit coin. Bitter jealousy is when you have a burning desire inside to promote yourself over and against and above other people. And so when good things or blessings happen to other people, you have this angst inside and you wonder, why can't that happen to me? Why do they get all the breaks? Why is their life so easy? Bitter jealousy is a disappointment when good things happen to other people. Instead of celebrating a promotion, an engagement, a, ba a child's baptism, a retirement, or some other victory in someone's life, bitter jealousy says, what about me? Selfish ambition is the outworking of bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition is the desire to promote your interests, opinions, and points of view over and above everyone else. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition work in tandem to define earthly wisdom. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is, that, is, is expressed in that negative word meant to dig at somebody. Or the yearning to be right at all costs. Or the craving to have your opinion respected or the desire to get people to think of more of you and less of someone else, or the passion to, spat, to pass on a bad report. That is earthly wisdom, and I want you to see how James describes it. He doesn't just say, that's not the way you should live, guys. He doesn't say, that's bad. He doesn't even just say, hey, that's earthly. Look at what he says, verse 15. That this is not the wisdom that come down from above, but is earthly unspiritual, and demonic. Bitter, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is the underpinning of a demonic philosophy of wisdom. That's one path. And you can see that the path ends in destruction. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. It makes sense. Where the overriding desire is for you to have your own way all the time, you will do anything, and that means literally anything, to keep your own way, to preserve 
your own name and reputation, even justifying all sorts of, of, of sinful activities, of evil activities that you would never dream of doing. But where jealousy and selfish ambition rule the day, evil and every vile practice follows. This is demonic wisdom. We know what that looks like. This is the desire to grasp instead of to give. This is wanting to be wanting to use rather than to be used. This is wanting to be understood rather than trying to understand. This is standing for your rights instead of giving them up. This is wanting to be right more than anything. This is sacrificing friendships instead of sacrificing for friendships. This is the, the desire to be loved rather than loving others. This is hoping to be served rather than serving others. This is being immovable about your opinions rather than realizing they are just opinions. This is dividing people rather than uniting people. This is earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. That's one kind of wisdom. Another kind of wisdom is described in verse 17. Look there with me. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Heavenly wisdom, James uses eight qualities stacked together to describe what the qualities of heavenly wisdom are. It is interesting to see that in earthly wisdom, he only mentions bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and says that leads to every kind of vile practice. But with heavenly wisdom, he describes the good fruit that should follow that typifies the lives of people who are marked by heavenly wisdom. And what are those eight markers? Purity, peacefulness, gentleness, reasonableness, mercifulness, good fruits, impartial and sincere. See, James is speaking to all of us here. It's tempting when I see a list like that to think of other people. But James is asking us to consider ourselves, not our kids, not our spouses, not our grandparents, not our grandkids, not our husbands or wives, or not our friends or our bosses, but ourselves. Ourselves. Heavenly wisdom is typified by purity. And this first word, purity, is the key to all the other qualities. Pure means to be faultless or blameless. It doesn't mean to be perfectly holy. It means that there are no hidden agendas or mixed motives. Someone who is pure and has heavenly wisdom wants the best for other people and uses his or her skills to, be, to, to honor and help other people. Those that are pure are also peaceable. This means that there is a general freedom from strife in their lives. A general freedom from strife. Is your life generally free from strife? Or do you find yourself at odds with people all the time? Purity. Peaceableness. Gentleness. Gentleness. This is being fair and considerate in your relation to other people. Being will, willing to yield to others. 
Are you gentle? Or are you exacting? Are you, are you pressing? Are you somebody that drives a hard bargain? Are you somebody that's hard to deal with? Or are you gentle? Open to reason. That just means that you listen. Those that have heavenly wisdom, listen. They don't just wait for the person to stop talking to jump in with an opinion. Wait for a breath and say, have you really thought about this? But listen and ask questions and seek to understand. Heavenly wisdom is merciful. Merciful. You know what mercy is? It's giving someone what they don't deserve. It's overlooking. It's not giving, rather, it's not giving something, someone what they deserve. So when somebody wrongs you, the temptation is to wrong them back. But heavenly wisdom dictates mercy, compassion. Good fruits means that we're looking always to do good things for other people. It's a desire to serve rather than be served. Heavenly wisdom is also marked by impartiality. That means that you're not swayed by money or influence or looks or fame, but you treat everybody the same, all equal in God's eyes. And sincere. This just means authentic, not fake, not contrived. You're who you are wherever you are. You're not one way at home, another way at church, some other way at work, still some other way with your friends. You're the same wherever you are. That's heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is wanting to give more than the grasp. Heavenly wisdom is wanting to be used up instead of use others. Heavenly wisdom is wanting... Uh, wanting to understand rather than a pressing desire to be understood. Heavenly wisdom is freely giving away your rights rather than standing for your rights. Heavenly wisdom is wanting to be loving more than anything. Heavenly wisdom is sacrificing for friendships instead of sacrificing friendships. Heavenly wisdom is loving others when they don't deserve it. Heavenly wisdom is serving others even if they don't notice or aren't grateful or aren't grateful as they should be. Heavenly wisdom is being willing to release preferences and opinions instead of relationships. Heavenly wisdom is making every effort to unite rather than divide. And what's the effect? What's the effect? Remember, where we have earthly wisdom that is unspiritual, I'm sorry, that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, what do we have? We have evil and every vile practice. That's, that's the end of that road. What's the end of this road? Heavenly wisdom. Verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace. This isn't just the ending of hostilities, but it's the presence of blessing together. It's the presence of healthy relationships with others. Does your life engender peace or strife? See, it's important for us to recognize that earthly wisdom 
and heavenly wisdom is seen in the way that we live. You know what? You're not always going to be able to tell whether someone's expressing earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom only by measuring what they say. People can express both the same thing, but yet one have a heart to try to needle somebody or pull them down or drag them a bit lower. That's earthly wisdom. Someone else can say the exact same thing, but yet want to build them up, strengthen them, help them in the moment. You see, if you and I are marked by heavenly wisdom, we're not going to want to just say true things that are not timely, therefore not loving. We're going to want to be loving and timely and true. Those are the two kinds of wisdoms, earthly and heavenly. Earthly and heavenly. One of the ways you can tell if you are living by a heavenly wisdom is at some level people are going to look at you and say, that doesn't make any sense. Why in the world would you ever serve people without expecting anything in return? The point of helping other people is so that one day when you need help, they'll help you too. What in the world sense does it make to look out for the interests of other people? If you look out for the interests of other people, who's looking out for your interests? How are you going to get ahead? It's not going to make sense. The reality is following Jesus in this world doesn't always make sense. Why? Because it's heavenly wisdom that we live by, not earthly What makes sense in our world is earthly wisdom. It's grasping and holding and hoarding. It's being selfish and not caring about other people. It's loving ourselves and doing everything we can to get ahead. It's sacrificing for our deep desires and our wants and our hopes and our dreams. And it's not worrying at all about anyone else. That's earthly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, heavenly wisdom is the opposite. So which way are you? Which path are you on? The wide road that leads to destruction? The narrow road that leads to life? Reality might be that there are those of us on the narrow road that leads to life, and we recognize there's elements of earthly wisdom in our life. So what are we to do? Remember what James has told us the Word of God is? The Word of God is a mirror. God holds up His mirror to our faces, and it's our job to look in the mirror and see what we see. And so today, the mirror is being held up before all of us, and here's the question. Rich, are you defined by heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom? And that's the same question for you. You look in the mirror and honestly say, who am I? The only safe place to do this kind of self-reflection is if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian. There is safety in recognizing where you fall short. 
See, the temptation is this. It can be, th- if, when you realize how, fall, how, how short you fall, it can be tempting to isolate yourself and pretend like you're okay and not admit where you need help and not admit where you're wrong. Because when you admit where you need help and where you admit where you're wrong, that's a sign of weakness and people can exploit that. But that's not the way Jesus is. Jesus is our solution. He is the one who was always pure and peaceful and gentle and reasonable and merciful. He was the one always marked by good fruits and impartiality and sincere. Jesus is not like us. See, what we must do is be a people that interact with Jesus. There's a new book out that's destined, I think, to be a classic. It's written by a gentleman named Dane Ortland, and it's called Gentle and Lowly. It's a description of the heart of Jesus for his people. I highly recommend it. Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. The snapshots that he takes in concert with Thomas Goodwin are so helpful. And this helps me as I think about how to interact with Jesus when it comes to the wisdom that I have or don't have. Ortland says this. Here's a couple snapshots that will help us as we close. See, here's, here's the dilemma. When you fall short, you can feel condemned. You can feel like you're the biggest loser on the planet. You can feel like you're not worthwhile. But here's how Jesus is thinking of you. If you're part of Christ's own body, your sins evoke his deepest heart, his compassion and pity. He takes part with you. That is, he's on your side. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. That is so helpful. That is so helpful for me to recognize that he's on my side fighting against the sin that I see. He's not against me fighting me. What about if we see bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? Ortland suggests, do not minimize your sin or excuse it away. Raise no defense. Simply take it to the one who is already at the right hand of the Father, advocating you for you on the basis of his own wounds. Let your own unrighteousness in all your darkness and despair drive you to Jesus Christ, the righteous, in all his brightness and sufficiency. Yes. What if you're thinking, I've lived like this for so long. He's overlooked so much for so many years. How will he give me any more chances? Here's another snapshot of Jesus that helps. Do you know what Jesus does with those who squander his mercy? He pours out more mercy. God is rich in mercy. That's the whole point. Whether we have been sinned against or have sinned against our, sinned ourselves into misery, the Bible says God is not tight-fisted with mercy, but open-handed, not frugal, but lavish, not poor, but rich. That's our Jesus. And so one way or another, all of us have markings of this 
earthly kind of wisdom. And our call this morning is to be people, to be followers of Jesus that go to him, knowing that we've gone to him many times before and asked for help, but knowing that going again, we can know that he will pour out mercy upon us and that he will not hold back and that he will pour out the floodgates of his blessing for those that are humble. All of us recognize we fall short in all kinds of different ways, but we have a Savior who has not fallen short. We have a Savior who is our advocate. We have a Savior who lives to intercede for us. And so even though at times when we walk through this life, we find ourselves marked by earthly wisdom, we can go to him and say, help. And he will. If you're here or listening or watching and you're not a Christian and you realize you're on the road to destruction. Do you know what you need to bring to Jesus? Your need. Your need, that's it. And say, help, I'm a sinner. I need a savior, please help. And he won't turn any away. So which are you? Are you following Jesus down? narrow path that leads to life or the broad way that leads to destruction. May we join him. May we join him in the journey of heavenly wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your help for all of us this morning. I'm grateful that we can come to you without fear, without recrimination, without hopelessness, without wondering, without wondering, what are you really going to think, Lord? Because you love us with a love that is undying and eternal. You love us and give us mercy in ways that we could never expect otherwise. You love us and, and have died for us. You love us and you live to intercede for us. And so as Christians, Lord, I pray for those who are Christians in this room and those watching who are recognized they fall short and need help, I pray that they would come to you and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that as a church we would be people who are marked with peace and love. I pray that we would be people who are marked with purity and peace and gentleness and reasonableness and mercy and good fruits. That we would be impartial and sincere in all our activities. May we be a people so fixed on Jesus that we're not guided away or worried about all the other things that are, that are going on in our life, but focused on you, knowing that what we do for you in every moment is what matters most. And may we live for your glory and your wisdom, Lord. May we be marked by heavenly wisdom. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. A recommendation as we close. Ask somebody who knows you which kind of wisdom they think you have. Or which kind of, of the fruits, of those eight fruits, or those eight descriptions that James lines up that you need to grow in the most. And then go to the Lord for help. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us online. I look forward to the day when we can all be together in one place. Together we're 
here we're together in one time. I'm grateful for that. As we continue to just watch the news and try to make as wise decisions as we can go for, going forward, watch our Facebook page, our website, and we'll make sure that we will communicate as clearly as we can our plans for the future. Have a wonderful, God-honoring Sunday, and go in the peace of Jesus Christ. You're dismissed.